Oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood upsets in the month of March. The 12-5 stunners, the 11-over-6 buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of I told you so at the water cooler? Oh, look at my bracket. I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead? At mybookie.ag, you can and you will. The 12-5 upset when betting with my bookie is a take-your-girl-out-to-steak-dinner winner-winner. And right now, when you sign up for an account, MyBookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Here, just have 50% more. Why not? Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, at MyBookie.ag to activate. We're all going to be in office pools, and that's fine. Nobody's going to get the perfect bracket. We know that. But you can make a killing at tournament time by seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing. So let's go, people. My bookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code ZABE to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at mybookie.ag. Today on the ZABEcast, Andy Poland joins me to talk tournament and the top 10 coaching meltdowns in college basketball history. Spoiler alert, Bobby Knight owns like five of them. Chris Cooley will join me to talk Gronk as well as who he likes and doesn't like at quarterback in the upcoming NFL draft. All that plus the deeper story behind the Boeing 737 MAX 8. Bonus 1% Zabe is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Tuesday, March 26, 2019. Thank you for downloading and thank you for subscribing. A double shot of guests today, so let's get cracking. First, this Boeing story on the Supermax or the Boeing Max 8, whatever, the 737 Max 8 airplane, whatever it's called exactly, I think it's the Max 8. I am but a rank amateur when it comes to understanding commercial aviation or aviation in general, but I've always been fascinated by it. So these stories always pique my interest. And especially, I've got a thing for commercial aviation crash stories. It really is kind of a, a, a bit of a fetish for me. I don't worry about dying in an air crash, which I know a lot of people have serious mental breakdowns and panic attacks over flying. It just never resonated for me that, you know, oh my God, we might die. Of course you might die. Of course, more dangerous on the ground in terms of sheer numbers. The Boeing 737 MAX story, though, that shakes me just a little bit. I was reading more about this over the weekend, and I'll just paraphrase. I was going to highlight and read and highlight and read. I don't need to do that. I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. Boeing had dismissed Airbus as a rival for quite some time. Airbus, of course, the consortium of European countries who said, hey, let's get into the airline game, into the air, you know, commercial jet aviation game, and let's pool our resources and let's make a killer jet. And for years, Boeing is like, Airbus, they suck. Pilots for years had a saying which went, if it ain't Boeing, I ain't going. Because the Airbus relied more on electronics and computer systems and stuff that automated flying of the airplane. The old school pilots 
who uh, loved to fly in the plane and be the captain. They were more dismissive of Airbus. And the company, Boeing, was like, eh, whatever. Well, lo and behold, Airbus keeps grinding, keeps grinding, getting better, getting better, getting better. All of a sudden, Airbus is about to land a huge account and about to land a huge blow to Boeing. They're about to fulfill a huge order with American Airlines with (gasps) Airbus, the A320. They go to Boeing at the last minute, and they're like, hey, uh, I know you don't want to hear this, but we're probably going to buy a bunch of Airbuses. Sorry about that, but they're more fuel efficient, and your 737, reliable, industry workhorse, it's just, you know, we want to save money. So Boeing is like, oh, fuck. Really? All right, hold the phone. At this point, Boeing's engineers are like, uh, well, boss, we could build a brand new platform, a whole new plane that'll be more uh, energy efficient, but that's going to take 10 years at least. Soup to nuts, design to build to testing to certification, and away we go. That's when Boeing said, hmm, what if we put two bigger engines on the 737 frame and we put in a software system that helped keep the plane from stalling because the engines are bigger and it sometimes led to a more nose-up attitude in flight. And how about this? We won't tell the pilots of the new Max 8 that there's this uh, software in the background called MCAS that adjusts the plane's trim and conditions because we don't want them to have to go through a simulator. So we just want, they, they, they just don't even know about that. You know, it's not a big deal. And when they talked about redesigning certain elements of the new 737 Max, they're like, yeah, let's, like, there's a lot of analog displays. And they said, well, why don't we make these digital? We can't then because it'll require pilots to go through training on this new plane, and that's going to take time, and that's going to take money, and tick-tock, we got to get this thing built. So as soon as they decided, okay, they, they told American, okay, we're going to come up with a new plane. And I guess Americans split their order, half Airbuses, half new Boeing 737 Maxes. They rushed into production. They produced this plane in half the time. And they slapped this software in the background that was supposed to keep the plane from crashing by entering a stall. And instead, it might have, might have, because again, I want to stress I'm just an idiot on the couch reading stories and with a passing interest in aviation. It might have led to the two fatal crashes uh, overseas in the last month. What I find crazy is that how can you not tell the pilots, oh, yeah, by the way, there's a little software program that if the plane's acting weird, it might be because, it might be because there's a faulty sensor that thinks you guys are too steep and you're going to stall, and so it's going to nose you down. And if that were to happen, take off, eh, that'd be bad. Didn't tell them because it would take training, and that would take time, and it would cost money. Of course, Boeing put out a statement. Our first priority is safety. Oh, shit. No, it's not. Your first priority was, oh, shit, Airbus is going to get this order. That's what your first priority was, your second priority, and just about every priority. So it looks like it looks like a bad deal for Boeing, and they're losing a lot of market capitalization. It's going to shake the company. Who knows what the official findings will be? They're, they're putting out a new software patch 
for this airplane, which doesn't really reassure me if I'm flying on one of the new Max 8s. Oh, great, there's a patch for the software. Wonderful. I would have thought that on every airplane, every modern airplane, commercial airplane, there'd be one switch that if the plane is acting weird, you can go blip and flip it off and it, flip the plane, flip the computer off. Literally disengage every bit of computer control of the airplane. Then you rely on your training skills as a pilot to fly the airplane. And hopefully we've trained our pilots well enough to understand how you fly a plane and what you do in certain situations and diagnose what's going wrong. Easier said than done, but not always. That said, bad deal. And, oh, (laughs) on top of it, uh, they somehow lobbied our government to go, oh, yeah, we're just going to certify. Is it okay if we certify these planes ourselves? FAA, you know, you don't want to get involved in this, do you? Oh, cool. All right, good. We'll let you know when we're uh, good to fly with these new Max 8s. All right. Thank you. Good job, government. Good job. And there was a pilot on one of the planes, on the plane that crashed. He was on a flight the day before. It did the same thing where it started nosing down. And luckily he told the pilots because he was flying deadhead as just a, you know, a come along. He was like, yeah, here's what you got to do. Flip this, flip that, ding, ding, ding. And okay, great. We didn't crash. All right. That was good. Uh, What are you doing tomorrow? Uh, It's an off day. I'm probably going to go see a movie. Should you tell anyone about how we almost crashed and died and killed everybody? Yeah, no, I'll email somebody, I guess. Scary stuff. But I'm not scared. I'm not scared to fly because I'm not on a Max 8. I'm on some other reliable airplane, like a Boeing 707. 707 with the four tiny little engines, like a miniature uh like a miniature 747 but smaller maybe i'm on a, i'm an md80 whatever happened to mcdonald douglas do they still make planes maybe i'll fly an md11 the sort of weird looking version of the dc10 with a big engine in the tail anyway i could go on talking about stupid commercial airplanes for a long time let's call my friend chris cooley and get his thoughts on gronk's retirement this week Grossman throws, touchdown, no! It was dropped by Cooley. He was all alone, nobody around him, the ball was in his hands, and he dropped it. Busted coverage by the Jacksonville Jaguars. You think of Cooley, think of his slow start, Sam, over the last couple of games. He's He wanted it so bad, and here's the bus. I mean, you got nobody that's covering Cooley. He's had one touchdown in the last nine games. He won't have an easier one that. touchdown in the last nine games. Hail to the Redskins. Hail victory. I never pass up an opportunity to talk to my favorite tight end and former radio partner, Chris Cooley, especially on a day in which the Gronk has hung him up. How about all hail the Gronk, one of the greats. No. Yeah, he's absolutely one of the greats. Um, Is he retired for real? Uh. Well, I mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, he knows he wants to retire. He's beat up. But 
I'll never forget those first couple Novembers, late Octobers, when the air gets all brisk. It feels like football, and you haven't been playing, and you didn't go to training camp, and your body feels good, and you, you think, this might be fun for a few games. And then Tom Brady gives you a call. You know, Tom Brady gives you a call. says, hey, Gronk. Bro. Because that's what he calls him, I'm sure. Hey, Gronk, I need you. What if he calls him by his full name? Um, Robert Gronkowski the third. I could use Gronkowski. <laughs> hey bro, bro, let's go play some football. What made I, I know I know that the best feeling of all time was that first year that I didn't play I ran into Corey Lichtensteiger July twenty fifth ish. And he said, oh, I'm dreading it. I got to go two, two days. I got to go in. And I thought, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of the story that uh, Joe Panos, former offensive guard for the Eagles and then the Buffalo Bills out of Wisconsin. He's now an agent. Panos said when he retired, he retired on the first day of training camp for Buffalo, where he reported, and then he quickly realized, nah, man, I can't do this anymore. And he never looked back. The thing is, that's amazing, is that the point Rob is in his career, Robert Gronkowski III is in his career, <laughs> he doesn't need one second of training camp. You don't think now, so? I, I really don't. I, he's knows the, the entire system. He Everything's muscle memory at this point. He could sit out all spring, all training camp, come back, and in three weeks, starting October by mid-November, he'll be Gronk. Well, by that logic, what does any multiple-time pro bowler who's played in the league for eight or nine years, what do any of them need out of training camp? I would think that would apply to everybody. It does. In my opinion. Oh, <laughs> it does, in my opinion. Now, but, it would be different. It would be different to some extent if you had new system, new coaches, right. new quarterback, all of the rigmarole. You know, even in my when we when Mike came, it was my fourth offense that I'd been a part of. It still took me a year to feel like I was completely comfortable in that offense. Right. But every, you know, the second year of it. The, I think my third year, I didn't have any training. In 2011, I don't think I, I was, I was coming off my knee surgery and it had swollen up. I, I went to two days of practice and then didn't practice again until I played against the Giants and I felt fine. So, but you are a you were a notorious good studier, a good note taker, a playbook knower. Other yeah, guys, sure has not so much. Amazing notes. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Amazing you know, notes. The, the thing I'd be most interested to see is what doodles he has. Oh, that would be hilarious. There was once a book somebody published called OJ's Legal Pad. Did you ever hear about it? No. So during the OJ Simpson trial, you know, you could see OJ taking notes from time to time. And the running joke was, what the fuck is OJ doing taking notes? Like, what, what part of the case is he going to hinge on and say, aha, 
here's my defense. So somebody, somebody published what looks like a, a legal pad of notes, and it's all just doodles and funny shit like, ha-ha, if I did kill her, bitch had it coming, and then like a stick oh, figure. of Yeah, exactly, stuff like that. So you could do a Gronk's playbook well, notepad. And it would know, be. I'm not. This isn't a criticism, and because especially me, I'm not someone to be be in a position to criticize this. But I see his notepad as like boobs and butts everywhere. Yes, but that was your notepad during the radio show, and I loved it. You were right brain occupied with the drawing, and your left brain was freed up to do the radio show. It's beautiful. Or the other way around. I forget which part of the brain does the well, artistic yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, who are we to say? Yeah. So, so Gronk was most under, everyone knows he's great, he's big, great hands, Gronk catch ball. What was the most underrated aspect of Gronk? How fast he actually was when you saw him in real life. I'll never forget watching him play at FedEx in 2011, the year I went on injured reserve, because I'd been watching a ton of their film. And I remember watching more Aaron Hernandez because he was, so amazing as a route runner and i'm watching all this gronk stuff and all these catches i'm like this dude is a big lumbering oaf right and then he I, he had 160 yards caught a bunch of couple seam balls and i i was on the field during that game and just remember thinking this dude is fast he is faster than anybody gives him credit for even on tv it doesn't come across as as when you get in, in real time real life he's a monster and he's fast, which and, is, and that's like you could. I could emulate Tony Gonzalez. I could speed cut. I could roll things. I could do the things that he does. Maybe not as well, but I could do that. He said Hernandez. I wasn't as as good at double sticking like he and Jordan Reed did, but I could do that kind of stuff. I couldn't grow three inches and thirty pounds and maul DBs down the field as a route runner. Like he, right. he like he had this innate physical asset that made him that much different than anybody else. He did it like no one can do it like him because no one is him. Yeah. Uh, 6'6", 268, Robert James Gronkowski, born May 14th, 1989, nicknamed Gronk, says Wikipedia. Huge accolades, three-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Pro Bowl, four-time first-team All-Pro, NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Receiving touchdowns leader in 2011. I believe he's going to retire with the highest third. per. What's that? Oh yeah, third in touchdowns. Go ahead. Right, highest but per I, game average. I yeah, I heard that his per game averages, both catches and yards, are number one all time for tight ends, and that takes into account all the games he missed because of injury. So in other words, when Gronk suited up, Gronk was going to dominate. Yeah. Absolutely, and then playoff stats are through the roof. Exactly, so. and clutch and clutch moments, big catches. The other thing that impressed me as much as his playing is that here he was, this free spirit, quasi meathead, never arrested, and he apparently has every dime of his paycheck from the NFL. He lived off of his endorsements. And other, you know, side oh. income, and just by being Gronk, he would be able to float around yep. free and clear. That's to me awesome, Cooley. Yeah, as much as he seemed irresponsible, he was very irresponsible. I, I, you know, I know it. I know it all too well. <laughs> <laughs> 
But he never, like, a guy like him with his personality should have been arrested at least once. Why? He's just out having a good time drinking beers. You don't get arrested doing that if you're not doing dumb, dumb things. Well, have he, someone drive you around. Have someone help take care of you. Look out for you a little bit. Cooley, treat it people, sounds... Treat people nicely. Ah, that's the By big way, thing. he's a legend in Boston, so it's not like... It's not like he gets pulled over in Boston. They're not driving him home. But a lot I'm of not NFL that he drinks and drive, drive. Right. But you pull over Rob Gronkowski in Boston and bring him in as a cop, you're fired. <laughs> hey, uh, way to go, uh, Charles. You you brought in Gronk. Yeah, you're fired. You idiot. You're off the force. What's wrong with you? Well, the thing is, like, there's a lot of athletes that are gods in their cities, and they go out and drink and whatever. And you say it's not hard, yet athletes keep getting in trouble. I think the key is you can't let people get under your skin with the whole disrespect thing, like he's dissing me, you know? Gronk, I think, just floated around like, okay, man, whatever. And that's why he never got into any trouble. One of the reasons. Sure, but also he's not a guy that you really need to diss because there's not a lot to diss. True. I don't know. I, I don't think it's that hard, okay? I, I guess you're, you you got to have a little bit of a whatever personality, and he certainly had that yeah. or has that. Yeah, I think so. All right, so uh, before I let you go and you're getting out of your car right now, uh, you've been watching tape, as you do always. And yeah. you've probably been watching some quarterbacks. Redskins sitting at 15. Maybe they'll make a move. Maybe not. I saw your thoughts on Josh Rosen. They horrified me just because you said he basically can't throw a screen pass. Oof. Or at least hasn't shown it yet. He, uh, did, he did really struggle to complete anything <laughs> underneath. <laughs> Those are the easy ones, man. Come on. All right. I know, it's, but you got to believe that if you can make the big, the tough ones, you should be able to make the easy ones. All right, so give me, uh, give me sixty, give me ninety seconds on the quarterback crop coming out, starting with Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, and then anyone else you want, Daniel Jones or Drew Locke. Go. Kyler Murray's film will blow you away more than anybody else's film. It's it's stunning how good he is. It's porn. He can make every play. He can make every throw. He's going to scare teams to death with his legs. He's phenomenal. Everything about him, personally, I would highly, I'd be highly concerned about. With all the stuff Charlie Castle, said, Charlie Castle, didn't make that stuff up. He did have bad interviews. He did struggle in that aspect. Probably didn't care very much. And so, I, I look at him as the first overall pick either way because I think that's what Arizona did with Kingsbury, and they'll continue to pat him on the back and make everything work around him. And I think he'll probably have some success. He's amazing on the field. Uh, I love Drew Locke. I think he's the most all-around talented player as a pure type of quarterback. He's really athletic. He'll be able to move in the pocket, uh, get away from pressure. His biggest criticism was makes too many throws off his back foot, except he's amazing off his back foot. He makes unbelievable throws off his bad foot, back foot. He was in a versatile offense, ran a ton of pro concepts, like him a bunch, would love him at 15. That would be a dream. I don't see it happening. Did not like Haskins at all. Uh, very limited pro concepts. Very slow feet. Not good movement in the pocket. Needs to see receivers win before he throws balls. Needs another year in that offense to develop. Needs probably two in an NFL offense. Can make a lot of throws. Big arm. Talented player as a, as a passer. But 
you're saying upside on him more than you're saying ready to play right now. And so in that, I don't see him as a top. I wouldn't take him in the first round. Okay. Daniel like, Jones? I'm amazing at evaluating upside. Jones is a little bit tougher to evaluate because Duke had zero talent around him in a terrible offensive line. So he is athletic. He gets out of the pocket. He makes a ton of big throws on the move. He's got a big arm. Uh, some of the timing and rhythm anticipation stuff you don't always see because the offense doesn't provide it. I hate the comment doesn't play well against better talent or better teams because their receivers don't win. How's your quarterback going to win? Right. I like Jones. I'm not 100% sure on Jones. Didn't have a good senior bowl. Didn't have a good combine. Probably pushed him down. Uh, Finley's a good player. Very cerebral, smart player out of NC State. Uh, questions on kind of person, kind of leader he is, even coming out of NC State. Never really fit in with that program. I like him. I don't love him. I, I he's, he's an all right kind of guy. I watched a ton of Will Greer the other day. Uh, he reminds me of a two-inch taller Rex Grossman, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Right. Um, he just – he's one of those – Greer's one of those weird ones. I want to like him so much. When he throws, it almost looks like he's – jumping up out of his shoes like you'd like to see him drive more off his back leg misses a ton of throws high misses a ton of throws with overthrows and i don't like his technique as a thrower because obviously i know so much about throwing technique but when i watch all these guys i i don't necessarily love his technique right and and it, and it shows if he's not set and balanced he doesn't throw the ball well now he can throw it on the move when he squares the shoulders and he does he is on the move quite a bit and the play action boot stuff on the movie is good but as far as scrambling and on the move i think he, he's he's questionable so i i see will greer as probably a late second early third round type of pick finley probably second third round type of pick jones will probably go in the late first depending on who needs somebody or doesn't need somebody did i miss anyone there that, no perfect so. uh, by the way a little birdie told me that jay met with will greer and that jay loves will greer doesn't mean they'll take him but he said he loves him Christopher, well, I've met yep. Will Greer and watched him throw in Ashburn. Hey, now. With Trace McSorley, and I would guarantee you their personalities would fit perfectly. Got like, it. I can see them as guys, two kind of the same type of guys, and they did meet because Google, the birdie, told me too, and they had sushi. So. <laughs> Christopher Ken Cooley, two-time Pro Bowler, all-time leader in tight end receptions for the Washington Redskins, and never forget, first-team all-sun belt. 2003 at the mighty Utah State University. Cooley, thanks for your time, brother. Appreciate it, Dave. Oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood upsets in the month of March. The 12-5 stunners, the 11-over-6 buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of I told you so at the water cooler? Oh, look at my bracket. I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead? At mybookie.ag, you can and you will. The 12-5 upset when betting with mybookie is a take-your-girl-out-to-steak-dinner winner-winner. And right now, when you sign up for an account, mybookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Here, just have 50% more. Why not? Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, at mybookie.ag to activate. We're all going to be in office pools, and that's fine. Nobody's going to get the perfect bracket. We know that. But you can make a killing at tournament time by seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing. 
So let's go, people. My bookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code ZABE to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at mybookie.ag. So, are you are you over it from Saturday's loss to LSU? Well, I don't know. You know, the, the fact that they got in it was good. Um, I've talked to people who know a lot more about basketball than I do, but I would say if you knew you could handle them with the zone, why didn't you come out with the zone? Right. And the answer is, it seems to be, well, you don't want to tell your players what you've been doing all year isn't working and we're going to have to do something different to beat this team. So they tried the man, didn't work, went to zone, got back in the game, and unfortunately couldn't defend the last few seconds. But, you know, it, so is that, what it is So that was the explanation that you don't like to psychologically tell your players, hey, you're a man-to-man team, but we're going to play zone because these guys are like an NBA team. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seemed to me that's what you would do. And, you know, maybe the comp is Rick Pitino when he was coaching at Providence. And he told the media prior to a final eight game, I believe, with Georgetown where they had morning in Matumbo and you know, they had guys like Billy Donovan and Carlton Screen on, uh, <laughs> on Providence. Carlton <laughs> Screen. <laughs> he said, we're going to go right at him inside. And people said, oh, yeah, <laughs> right, morning in Matumbo. <laughs> well, that's what they did, and they got to the Final Four. So, yeah. you know, the great coaches seem to make those kind of adjustments. I don't know why it would matter, though. Zone, man, whatever. Like, hey, guys, yeah. we're playing zone. We've worked on it all week, and we're going to fuck these guys up because their basketball IQs are not very high. They're super athletic. They're tall as shit. The big guy with the dreadlocks, is he the guy that LSU paid to come? Yeah. Reed. Reed, Reed. yeah. Nas Reed, number zero. Yeah. Holy fuck what a monster he is. Yeah, well, it's worth it. They, whatever they paid, it was a good it was a good purchase, wasn't it? <laughs> so you got LSU making a run to the Sweet 16. That might get all wiped out. Probably will. You got your boy Bruce Pearl at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Same thing. He's already had one assistant coach plead guilty in the FBI scandal. That could be wiped out. You got Kelvin Sampson at Houston, who has already been given the death penalty, a show cause. <laughs> I just it's which means amazing. Which means you'll see Rick Pitino at UCLA next year. It's well, just the way it is. That's that is a uh, that is a great point. As I'm thinking about these coaches who have really been tickling the deepest of depths in terms of oh shit, man, your career is in real trouble because of scandals and wrongdoing. I thought to myself, no wonder why Rick Pitino is seething right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, our, our our mutual friend Chris Naki says about his own coaching career, he had it to do over again. He's cheat his ass off. It, it, you know, there's really no no downside to it. You cheat. You apologize. You do the time. You shuck and jive. You sell yourself. You do the hustle. See, that's the thing about Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl is the ultimate salesman. Am I wrong? Yep. No, no. Look, he's a guy who never even played high school basketball, uh, worked his way up as a manager. And now he's he's hated in the profession. You know that because he ratted on another program for cheating when he was at UWM. Right. He he broke the code. He was a rat. (laughs) (laughs) So it works just like the mob. And yeah. and, And now he's back. 
Now he's now he's back. Yeah. Did you? So yeah, you mentioned that he never played basketball. Did you see the ESPN story about ranking all sixty-four coaches? Based, I did. Yeah. That was fascinating. They ranked all sixty-four coaches based on their playing careers. Obviously, right. jo- uh, Chris Mullen, Hall of Famer, St. John's, Golden State Warriors. He was number one, and Bruce mm-hmm. Pearl was number sixty-four or sixty-eight, right. maybe I think at the bottom. Because most of the time, especially nowadays, they make so much money in the NBA that they don't take coaching jobs. Now, Mullen's an exception. Uh, Patrick Ewing is an exception. But by and large, they now even though coaching pays a lot of money now, they don't need it. And usually it's the guy who is the overachiever, the scrappy little point guard on a Division three team. Right. That rides, like the Van Gundy boys. I think they were both like Division three players. You know, yeah. That's the way it works. Yeah, and speaking of cheating, you got uh, Miller out at Arizona. Everyone thought he mm-hmm. was dead man coaching, still there, may end up surviving. I'm calling this era we're in now, Andy, the Ralph Northam effect of, <laughs> I'm not leaving. Like, I know you're yeah. saying you got to leave, you got to resign. Fuck that. Make me. You and whose army? Yeah, well, how about at Louisville? Don't you think they're kicking themselves about throwing Patino out too early? Like they rushed to judgment? Possibly, although they were incurring a lot of legal bills because of what he was doing, and I believe that they really like Chris Mack. Chris Mack okay. is pretty good, but is he Patino? No, nah, not exactly. There's only uh, a few of them. So uh, your thoughts on the Duke-VCU game? That was a classic. Yeah, you know, I was talking about it going into the game. Prior to the game Sunday, there had been only eight of the 44 that had been played, including the play-in game that had been decided by two or less. And the Maryland win and loss were two of those games. We didn't have any overtime games. So Sunday was a gift. And that game was as good as it gets for March Madness. That That's the perfect storm of a March Madness right. game. And, and it's a perfect Duke ending. I mean, that's what Duke does. And <laughs> if you look at teams who won the national championship, they generally survive a game like that. So that could be the final rocket booster they need to uh, to win it all. Let's count the uh, the ingredients to that classic. Number one, you got the number one team in the country, Duke. Mm-hmm. The one college basketball team that the super casual college basketball fan knows a little bit about and probably tunes in to watch. Like uh, Pete, Gilles- Pete Gillen once said, Duke, they're on TV more than leave it to Beaver. Right. So you got right, Duke right. as the number one brand name franchise. You got the coaching connection of teacher and pupil and presumed uh, successor at some point to Coach K. Well, you know, Johnny Dawkins is 54. If Krzyzewski goes another three or four years, are they going to want somebody that old? Maybe. Who says he's only going to go three or four? I think K's going to go 10 more. How old is K well, right now? If he goes now? 10... That, then he's gonna. So if he goes to, he's well, he's, he's over seventy now, or about seventy. So uh, if he goes to eighty, then Johnny Dawkins is 64, 65. I don't it, know. It'll be like a Bill Guthridge situation. Remember when he took over for Dean Smith because yeah. he had been on the bench yeah. forever, and it's like, who is this old dude? And he actually did a pretty yeah. good job, better job Final than four. Matt Doherty did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. had the so you had the the, the coach and the protege coaching angle. You had the coach with his son on the team angle you had the freak angle in both zion and in this kid taco fall greatest yeah. name since fennis dembo in college basketball taco yeah fall 
<laughs> and and he he looked a lot more athletic than Manute the two Ball. freaks that that the yeah Manute Ball and Georgie Murasan that the Bullets slash Wizards had. They, he was he looked like he was more of an athlete. But the NBA game has changed so much. I don't know if there's a spot for him anymore. I don't know if there is either. But it'll be fun to watch because he warped gravity around his entire being. Like there were Duke players that were going into the lane unguarded mm-hmm. and then they would peel out and 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 then cruise away from the basket for no reason and you're like shoot that what are you doing and you're like oh that's right taco fall is standing right there that guard knows he can't get the shot off i know and, and, and uh you saw zion try and dunk on him and couldn't do it and he yeah. started laughing yeah and, and taco <laughs> said i'm not gonna let him posterize me then you had the the uh the replay which i swear andy i saw it both ways I literally could not decide if it hit the rim or not. What about you? I didn't think it hit the rim, but if it was inconclusive, why did it take them 10 minutes to figure that out? Well, they they, they take as long as they want in these replays, and that's frustrating. Then, of course, you had the dollop of controversy with the calls, no calls at the end. Everyone wants to hate Duke and conspiracy theory. I thought it was more than fairly officiated at the end. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it, they, they let him play, which is good. Uh, you're going to give Duke that kind of a break. And it also led to one of your favorite things, where Krzyzewski gets to play the old softy. You know, I don't coach oh, for yeah. wins. I coach, coach for, for relationships. relationships. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the money, because I do get paid $8 million a year. And Johnny's such a good friend, and oh, they played so hard. But he did. At least he stopped himself. He says, "Look, I'm not an idiot. I wanted to win the game." Right. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was a hell of a game, and you're right. We needed it because that right now they're if they don't get some close ones, they will have to cancel one shining moment because there <laughs> will literally be only one shining moment. Right. You can't right, replay right. one it. shining moment for three and a half <laughs> minutes. That's not going to work. Yeah. All right, I want to rewind to I want to rewind to last week and this Izzo thing and get your take on this because I believe at this point Andy the number of people who are pushing back on so the supposedly outraged people like Scott mm-hmm. Van Pelt went into a deep dive on this on mm-hmm. his one big thing the number of people who are cutting straw men in half saying I can't believe anyone's upset about this outnumber the people who are genuinely upset, 10 to 1. That's my sense yeah. of this. That there was a few people who poked their heads out of their rabbit holes and said, hey man, he kind of lost his cool there. And then 10 people for every one of those jumped out and said, hey man, that's just coaching. Settle down. Your yeah, thoughts. it's really b- bizarre how he went from kind of John Wooden-esque to Bobby Knight in a matter of 30 seconds. And this is the effect of viral video, that if, if this game is played on a Tuesday night in February in Iowa and he goes off on a player, yeah, the, the video is going to be out there. But because it's the NCAA tournament, everybody wants to go, oh, my God, look at that. Well, if you look at his program, the guy's been there 25 years. He's right. never had anything like this. Every one of his players has said, yeah, this is part of it. And the other thing that nobody heard was this kid Aaron Henry mouthing back to him. I mean, I, I've, I've been around. Teenagers. You know, my, my, yeah, 
my 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 son was uh, played on the high school basketball team. I've sat behind the bench. His coach, if one of his players did that, would have reacted the same way. But there have been you know sixty people in the gym to see it, and nobody would have made a big deal about it. It, it, it you know part of being a player is shut the hell up, let right. the coach talk, right. do your job, and everything will be fine. And the kid went back to playing, and the kid also said, "Look, in practice, sometimes it's worse." And I don't understand how in one one moment. Tom Izzo can go from being this highly respected coach who does everything the right way to an incredible tyrant who's got to be disciplined. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. No, I don't. I don't think he did. And I think if you were to go on a search, a hard target search of every column, every online commentary or rant about how bad a guy Izzo is and this, that, or the other, it'd be, it'd be hard to find Andy. I don't yeah. think there was that many people out there. I think people preemptively pushed back and built straw men and then punched those straw men in the face without anyone of substance really saying, Hey man, he should be disciplined for this somehow. So yeah, I, I was disappointed in my partner, Tom Levero getting soft. Oh on no. And, Did he? Uh, yeah. He, he, Oh yeah. He lit, he lit up Izzo. He, he thinks that that he said, maybe there was a time for this. And he was also really conflicted, like his head was jerked in another way because Gary Williams, who rarely weighs in on Twitter, did, uh, and his friends with Izzo, you know, yeah. supported him and said, you know, he's building guys who are right. going to go on and do other things. And you know, Ga- Gary maybe didn't have a moment like that, but I sat behind his bench and heard some of the things he said to his players. It's in the heat of the moment. It's not a, you know, it's not a, a, a terrible thing. The people who got the worst of it were Gary's assistants. When mm-hmm. he coached, oh, yeah. Gary's poor assistants used to take the most unbelievable <laughs> brunt of Gary's rage, right? He'd turn oh, around well, I, during I was... the game and he would be like, why the fuck can't we guard? Why the, what are we doing? And the coaches would be like, I don't know. I'm not playing. I was, I was behind the bench for one of Gary's great regular season wins. Grievous Vasquez hitting a shot with seconds to go to beat number one Duke. It was Vasquez's senior year. That was the team that lost to Michigan State. And it was a bizarro thing. It was, it was it, about 10 minutes into the game, Maryland, or not even 10 minutes, but four minutes into the game, Maryland's up by about seven or eight points. And one of the strings in the net breaks. I, you rarely see this in a game, sure. but they have to stop the game to replace the net. And the senior manager is up there and he's wearing a suit because it's senior night and he's sweating like crazy trying to replace the net. <laughs> and, and it takes about 10 minutes. And, and there's a young assistant named Eson. I think it was Greg Eson was on that team guy, maybe in his twenties, Gary spent the whole 10 minutes of the net being replaced, just ripping him up one side and down the other. As if to say, it was your responsibility to make sure that we had brand new nets there that weren't going to tear. And, 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 uh, <laughs> and was, but the main thing he was worried about was he had momentum. He had yeah, right. Yeah. And he didn't want the game to stop for something like that, but couldn't do anything about it. By the way, the, the nets for this year's tournament are way too short. Whoever, really? Take a look. I don't know if they'll use the same ones at these new venues, but every... <laughs> Every venue, Andy, they had little shorty nets that huh. just went whip when you would swish it. They, they were not, they were not to my liking. And I'm a, I'm a net aficionado. I'm a twine connoisseur when it comes to <laughs> basketball. So if Izzo's getting all this protection from a lot of people, I ask this simple question: Where was that for Bobby Knight? Because Knight, oh yeah, well, was the same guy. 
beloved oh, by yeah. his players. To, all of them, you know, came back and was part of the program, except for Neil Reed, who obviously met a tragic end, committed suicide. But uh, no, no, he, he didn't no, not commit suicide. suicide. He died of a heart attack. Yeah, died young, like in his late thirties. Yeah, he like gained yeah. a ton of weight, but yeah. you know, Knight was the same way. So why was Knight a villain? And Izzo is viewed as old school fire and brimstone. Because we've had a chance to look at Bobby Knight in the rearview mirror, and there have been various documentaries done about it. Plus, he's really handled himself like a jerk since leaving. And I think that people say to themselves, oh, well, that happened. That should never happen again. Oh, does it look like Tom Izzo is getting into Bobby Knight territory? Well, we better scold him down and make sure he doesn't do that. So I think that's that's the big reason for it. Also, let's not forget, Bobby Knight hated the media and treated them like shit. Izzo right. knows how to play the game. Izzo yes, may tweak does. the media. He may be sarcastic, but he's not going to bite the hand that feeds. That's the no. big lesson right yeah. there. You you take on the media like Bobby Knight, and they will gladly say, okay, if this is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. Right. right. Speaking right. of which – uh, uh, we we reminisced as uh, Gitter and I about the time Bobby Knight told me to sit on my microphone at Zave Vegas. <laughs> Remember that? That was yeah. Well, it was it was uh, I forget it was Billy Hold Packer on. and Bobby Knight selling something. And, they they were and, both and, recently retired, and they were yeah. paid by the Palazzo Venetian to come out okay. and do a little talk before the games during the Sweet Sixteen. Because Billy Packer was one of the first guys to embrace gambling, like right. not be afraid to be associated with it. Back then, we're talking 2010, it was still a bit of a scarlet letter for anybody mm-hmm. with any pedigree of sorts, like Billy Packer, to be associated with ugh, gambling, even though it was legal in Las Vegas. Right. So they were out there yeah. giving like a little you know, get-together chat, and they agreed to come on our show. <laughs> and that's <laughs> when Bobby Knight snapped at me. And you lapped it up, man. You didn't back me up at all. No, no. I, well, first of all, I was actually scared. It, it's it's rare. I've done a lot of interviews with a lot of different people, but it's rare when I was actually scared that he could snap. And it was something you said or something, and then he looked at me and he said, he doesn't listen. Yes. And I said, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He talked about he, he talked about like a family member being a coach on one of the teams. Yeah. And I said – well, since you, and he didn't want to pick a, a winner, and I said, "Well, since you're recusing yourself on that one, I guess we'll move on." And that's where he stopped me. He said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't say I yeah. was recusing myself. He yeah, just wasn't picking it. a winner." Yeah, anyway. I was. I was actually scared. I was actually <laughs> physically intimidated. And and you don't realize. I mean, he was a college basketball player. He's about six five. He, he's not a small guy. Oh, he's a bear of a man. A yeah. bear of a man, yeah. So with that in mind, I have my top 10 college basketball coaches gone wild list. You ready? All right. Number 10, Frank Martin, formerly oh, yeah. of K-State, uh, formerly of South Carolina, intense, Google-eyed, just wacko. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, agreed. Number nine, Bob Huggins on any given night. <laughs> The guy had a heart attack coaching because he put himself under so much stress, took a couple months off and said, fuck it. If I'm going to die, this is how I want to die. Went back to coaching. But with with the media, I would say this about him. He only looks dyspeptic. He doesn't look like he's going to rip your head off. 
You know what I mean? No. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen any video where he really snaps at a reporter? No. He just kind of answers in, in, a, in a you know kind of kind of way, but doesn't 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 physically intimidate like some of the others. You know, he rose to prominence with those teams at Cincinnati, which had a few more than a few penitentiary boys, so to speak, on it, uh-huh. and they played tough ass basketball. And Huggins did not care that he was wearing the black hat, so to speak, in college basketball. And they called him Thuggins and everything else. But in every media avail, he was had this I-don't-give-a-fuck attitude that I think right. enraged people even more that he was just like, well, whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, number set, number eight, Larry Eustachy, college basketball <laughs> coach has gone wild, got fired yeah. from Iowa State for partying with – college kids on the road during road trips after games. And as if it was an excuse, he said, well, when I have a beer, I don't have just one. I have a lot of them. Oh, well, then <laughs> that explains your, your boring behavior that got you fired from a million-dollar job. That makes yeah. sense. Uh, number seven, Northwestern's Ricky Birdsong, who wandered up into the stands one game while serving as a head yeah. coach, he then took a leave of absence shortly after that to deal with some mental health issues. Was he the one? Wasn't there a Northwestern coach? I don't know. Was was that one who got shot while walking in his neighborhood? I'm not uh, sure. That might him. be Ricky Birdsong. Yeah, uh, might be. Uh, how come uh, it's uh, how come it's not listed in Wikipedia? For God's sakes. And then I don't have the right one. But I do remember there was a Northwestern coach. And I do remember him going into the stands. Yes, I do. Yeah. And, you know, he seriously, uh, oh, I spelled Birdsong wrong. B-Y-D. Yes, he was killed, Andy. July 3rd, 1999. Uh, mm-hmm. In a hate crime killing spree at 9 p.m. on July 2nd. Yeah. But, yeah. Terrible. Okay. Number six. Right? Am I on number six now? Ten was Martin. Nine was Huggins. Eight was Eustachy. Seven was Ricky Birdsong. At number six, Bobby Knight's golf video outtakes. I'm going to play one for everyone right now. I don't have it for you, Andy, but it's pretty funny. Oh, shit. Fuck me. Cocksucker. Welcome back to Golf Your Way. And what we're going to do today is work on the iron play and we're going to start with the short irons and work right down through the the long irons and uh, I hope I've got a, another shot somewhere along the way that's like the eight or nine that I already hit but we'll see it well you don't need it at any time this is bullshit this is an experiment what what, what if uh, I don't have a pro what if I just want to go to Nevada Bob's well, I'd rather see you go see a PGA. I know golf you pro. would. I want to fuck all you golf pros here on my show. So let's do that one again. Let's do that one again. At number five, Bobby Knight, when he banged the phone off the hook courtside in the NCAA tournament against, I think, LSU and Dale Brown. That makes sense. And think about this. There wouldn't be a phone like that there to bang anymore. <laughs> exactly. Number four, uh, Rick, uh, Bobby Knight throwing a chair across the court. That's only four? Well, I've got five Knight ones, and then I've got the number one college basketball coaches gone wild. I'm pretty sure you know which one it is, but I'm working through the Knight ones. i got five Knight ones. Uh, number All three, right. Neil Reed getting, quote, choked. 
by Bobby Knight, which was the briefest of touches to the neck, but okay, whatever. Number two, and this one's, I'm going to play the audio right after I announce it here. Bobby Knight's locker room rant that was caught on recorder outside the walls in which he screams about, I will not sit here at eight and fucking 10 all year long. You will pay for it. Want to play? Then I'm getting the fuck out of here. I mean, if you're not going to recover Greg Graham, if you're just going to let him drive by you, if the rest of you are going to let him catch the ball outside the three-second lane and drive all the way in here without one guy challenging him, then I'm leaving and you fucking guys will run till you can't even suffer. Now, I'm tired of this shit. I'm sick and fucking tired of an 8-10 record. I'm fucking tired of losing to Purdue. I'm not here to fuck around this week. Now, you may be, but I'm not. Now I'm going to fucking guarantee you that if we don't play up there Monday night, you're going to believe the next four fucking days. Now, I am not here to get my ass beat on Monday. Now, you better fucking understand that right now. This is absolute fucking bullshit. Now, I'll fucking run your ass right into the ground. I mean, I'll fucking run you. You'll think last night was a fucking picnic. I had to sit around for a fucking year with an 8 and 10 record in this fucking land. And I mean, you will not put me in that fucking position again. Or you will goddamn pay for it like you can't fucking believe. Now you better get your head out of your ass. That that was an unbelievable rant right there. And the number one college basketball coach has gone wild on my impromptu list of 10. And if I forgot any, please let me know. John Cheney, I will fucking kill you, John Calipari. Look how young he looks in that video. That's right. Seen it? That was Temple yeah. versus UMass, circa 99, maybe, something like that. Maybe even earlier 97, than that. 97, 96, 97, yeah. 98. And yeah. that 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 was a huge thing. I think I think Cheney got off fairly light for that, all things considered. Uh, yeah, but remember, Cheney had one of his players goon it up with uh That was much from, later. Uh, that was much later, know, but, and, yeah, and that was worse. He, that, he said, I yeah. told him to break his arm. Right, and he did, yeah. <laughs> Not so, good. All right, so those are my top 10 college basketball coaches going wild. Uh, some other things real quick here. It looks like the Bob Kraft end game is afoot. Did you see yeah. his pseudo-apology without admitting anything exactly via ESPN this weekend? Yeah, I did. And and we talked about this on the air. I, I wonder which way this goes with Goodell, who was obviously too light on the Patriots with Spygate and may have been too heavy handed with, with Brady. Deflategate. Yeah. 
Yeah. So so which way does he go? Because I guess the comp is is Irsay, who got what did he get six games for a DUI? Six games and the maximum five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, well the money's irrelevant. But let's say it's it's five hundred thousand. Does he get six games for this? I would think. If now if he really wants to show that he's not being favored to owners and you know, when he's dropping discipline on players Want to kick him out the whole season? What does that What does that mean? Does it mean he, he stops making money? No, he just I don't know. He just can't do any league business. I think they I think the league wants to wait as long as they can, because here's the key point in all this: this this Florida Sheriff's Department may have way oversold the notion of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. In other words, no one's been actually charged in this sting that encompassed multiple rub and tug joints, no one has been charged yet with human trafficking. They may have trumped that up just as an excuse to go in and bust up some rub and tug joints, which they don't want in neighborhoods down there. The other thing that helps Kraft a lot is that it turns out he got services from a 54 and a 43-year-old woman. That's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) Right, management. The best. I want management here. Help me out here. But if it had been an 18 year old girl. Oh yeah. Way bigger problem. Agreed. Oh, oh, of course. Of course. So, so the suspension would have been longer. This now smells to me like a two to four gamer, not a six gamer, but what do I know? Possibly, but, but the video will get out. TMZ is going to get it. And somebody in the sheriff's department was quoted as saying, Oh yeah, it's bad. It's, it's really bad. So (laughs) it's bad. What is he going to say? Oh no, it's pretty good. Actually. Uh, Bob Kraft looks pretty buff and he doesn't look awkward or stupid at all. Getting blown by a 54 year old Chinese masseuse. Right. I mean, it, it's not like, you know, the, apparently the video is, is clear enough. So eh, it might be Bob Kraft or it could be a number of any other people. We don't really know. Now, his, his lawyer is, is also looking to get the charges dropped on the technicality because he said that the uh, information was obtained illegally and the video was obtained illegally. So, you know, that's that's what he's going for. So if the charges go away, then I guess there's no crime right or does how does Goodell view that well the, the way these prostitution busts go the d- defendants can plead not quite guilty but they're not going to be innocent they're, they're going to go through a class and then they're going to have their record expunged and they basically plead in a way that says look I'm not saying I did it but you probably would have beat me in court so let's just fast forward through yeah. all of that and from right. a legal well, standpoint, it just makes things a lot easier. But Goodell is is the one, you know, the shield court, as I put it, the the wrath of Lisa Friel, the woman's rights issues, you know, chief for the NFL. Her court is not a real court, and so that's where Kraft's real jeopardy is. Yeah. Well, also as as Lavero pointed out uh, in his statement. He dragged in his dead wife to defend himself. That that was rich, wasn't it? I love women. And don't forget my beloved Myra, who died eight years ago. Right. Who who, who gave me my moral compass, not in so many words. But apparently you've lost that, Bob. And and not only that, you did a day-night doubleheader. It wasn't like, you know, you just showed up once. You were there the night before. He came came back hungry for breakfast. I mean, come on. He was under a lot of stress. The Patriots were in the AFC title game, man. Guys got to release it. Like like they haven't been before. I know. (laughs) I know. He should have said... 
he should have said, Myra let me do this all the time. No? You know, you don't think so? No, it wouldn't no. work? Okay. No, no, uh, no. <laughs> a media note and then a redskin note, and then we're done. Uh, have you seen the latest Francesa rumors from Andrew Marchand up in New York City that apparently they are looking desperately, Entercom is, for a way out of this debacle of a comeback, and they tried to get Adam Shine, Syracuse, yeah. Great day, great interviews, great life. Adam Shine to take over, but Francesca that... would hate him. Fr- Francesca needs a. There's a. There's a guy who does like the overnight. I think his name is Jastrzemski. Yes. His name is the guy who was involved in the Flategate with the Patriots. Right. I don't think they're related. But what he needs is a guy who's with him on the set when he he bloviates about a sixteen never beating a one. <laughs> That somebody could sit there. Well, hold on, Mike. There actually was one. Oh yeah, you're right. In other words, and, in other words, he needs a guy who does the basic work of being a host, seeing right. things, watching things, knowing things. Isn't exactly. that isn't that an amazing indictment that they're like we got to get a partner with Francesa that actually knows what the fuck is going on? Because while right. we're paying well, him millions to be a blowhard and a bully, we kind of need to actually mind our p's and q's here. Well, this is what, you know, I must had that with Charles McCord, is that, is that you have a guy who's your safety net, and that's what he needs at this point. I don't think it's any great shame, but if he wants okay. to continue but to it's do a, this. It, it's different from having a guy who's going to fact check you and, and, and just, you know, double check things. Mm-hmm. Francesa doesn't, he, he must go out of his way to not know anything. Like, for example, when he was told by a caller about the Izzo incident, this is at two in the afternoon when it's been the talk of sports radio and television all day long. Mm-hmm. He still hadn't seen it. Didn't know what it was. I know. He had his, he had, not only that, he had his producer send it to him on his phone because he does the show from home now. And then he, and he watched 30 it. 30 seconds That's without funny. saying a word on the air while he watched it. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, yeah. so how do you think it's going to end for Francesa? I think it ends, and it ends badly. I think it'll. I think K will beat him in this ra- ratings book coming up, and then they're gonna. So he's gonna leave and say it was his decision or whatever. But I don't think Francesa makes it to football season. Probably not, and I. I don't think that Adam Shine is definitely the answer. Uh, the politically correct thing to do, I guess, is to put the show they originally had there for four months. Back. CMB. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, and see what happens. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. But although you know, even if he's if he's neck and neck with with K, they're still making money. I mean, he, he's right. He's there to produce money for the station and produce money for himself. Sure. So you know, and he's 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 flirted with with dropping the two, but I guess in the final rating period, which is three months, he narrowly edged out K again. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, Last topic. Uh, The Redskins, our beloved Redskins, Andy, I'm not sure if you saw this, have been posted by many sports books leading into the 2019 season as the longest odds to make the Super Bowl at over 150 to 1. It's not just the long shot odds involved that to me is startling. It's the fact that we are dead fucking last in other words we have Mm -hmm. now fallen behind both the jets and the browns and the jaguars the usual perennial suspects of being 
the farthest planets from the NFL sun. This is new territory for us, Andy. It's new. I'm telling you. Yeah, I can't, I can't really remember that. Like even when they were three and thirteen under Norv, coming off, you know, basically rebuilding. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know what the odds were then, but yeah, they they've certainly earned that. And look, the guy who is is going to be the starting quarterback apparently. Uh, showed up at a race over the weekend on that. crutches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Cole had another surgery, and nobody really talked about it. And they're like, no, no, it's just a cleanup surgery. He's going to be fine. Yeah, well, you know, that that's that's not good, is it? <laughs> no. So how do you feel yeah. about being the farthest planet from the sun? We are now Pluto, Andy. Cold, yeah. Yeah. desolate, Lifeless. We are sitting at the bottom of any expectations for hasn't next year. Hasn't been well earned. Has, has, it has. Hasn't this? Yeah. I mean, it's not like this. It's not like they did everything right and a string of bad luck happened. I mean, even if Alex Smith is playing this year, maybe they're not picked for those odds, but they're nowhere near it being in the Super Bowl mix. Oh, I know. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. It's it's yeah. incredible. All right. Yeah. They earned it. All right, that'll do it for us today. Thank you, Andy, for your time. As always, we'll miss you in Vegas. Let me know if you want to get any bets down, although in this day and age, I don't even have to do that. Nobody has to do that anymore. It's like, you want a bet to get down? No, everyone can bet everywhere nowadays. Do it on your phone. Not a problem, but have a good time. I was was saying to Libero over the weekend, that's really one of the great trips we've both been on. We really enjoyed it, and I I know you're going to have a good time with your listeners. Well, you know what, Andy? We will have you out there, and maybe we'll get Lovey out there. We will do it again, believe me, because when you and Lovey were out there that year, I had a hoot. I had a blast. It was great. It was fun. All right, Andy. See you, man. See you. We'll end on this today. Apple, big announcement on Monday in which they said they're going to refocus the company the nearly trillion-dollar company on services and entertainment or entertainment and services or television or I don't know how it's going to work. I read the whole long article about it. It's obviously a move to keep relevant because people have stopped buying iPhones. And by people, I mean everyone else, not me. I still buy iPhones, then return them and say, "Eh, can I get the one back that has the button? Yes, the 8, that's good. I want that one. People aren't buying iPhones. They're lasting longer. You don't need all the horsepower that's in them. Everything is as good as you could possibly want it. Camera, screen, speed, etc. The only thing that doesn't work in phones are the fucking ability to call people and to have them listen to you clearly, which maybe they're working on, maybe not. So Apple wants to refocus on delivering movies and TV shows and original content and services. I don't know what that means, services. Oh, financial services. Who's your accountant, Bob? Uh, Apple. Yes, I've got iTax. They've got me all dialed up. Yeah, that's great. Uh, how's it going for you? Oh, you know, good. Lost 8% last year in the market, but I'm, I'm confident they're going to bring it around. Good luck to Apple. We'll see. I've always been a, I've got all their products. I do. This podcast is being produced on an iMac with the fantastic program Final Cut Pro. And I have an iPad, two of them. I have an iPhone, as you know. I've got a MacBook Pro. Apple, 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 Apple. Oh, I hope Tim Cook knows what the fuck he's doing for the next 20 years. Because I don't want to have to learn another computer system. That'll do it for today. Download, subscribe, comment, like, tell a couple friends. 
Zabecast app is absolutely free. Subscribe to Premium by going to zabe.com slash premium and get Fridays as well. Podcasts are the future. Email me with topics, feedbacks, feedback, and suggestions at zabe at yahoo.com. Now get on out there and help an old lady across the street, and we will see you next time. Oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood upsets in the month of March. The 12-5 stunners, the 11-over-6 buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of I told you so at the water cooler? Oh, look at my bracket. I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead? At mybookie.ag, you can and you will. The 12-5 upset when betting with my bookie is a take-your-girl-out-to-steak dinner winner winner and right now when you sign up for an account my bookie will match your deposit with a 50 percent bonus here just have 50 percent more why not use promo code zabe charlie zulu alpha bravo echo at mybookie.ag to activate we're all going to be in office pools and that's fine nobody's going to get the perfect bracket we know that but you can make a killing at tournament time by seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing so let's go, people. My bookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code ZABE to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at mybookie.ag.